Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Vinyl Countdown, the podcast where I, Jeremy Levine, break down my favorite vinyl releases from cover to cover and everything in between. So sad today. It's the last day of the October Spooktacular. Uh, the response has been great. I really appreciate it. Uh, after taking the month of September off uh, for hurricane-related uh, issues and all that, and just, uh, you know, I, I didn't have time to do anything with the show, uh, to come back after taking that time off and to have the response that I did when I started releasing episodes again, uh, it's pretty awesome, and I really appreciate it, and I'm glad you're all enjoying it. Uh, so for today, I figured, hey, it's the last episode of the Spooktacular, so why not go out with a bang, right? So, I will be covering 1973's The Exorcist. I mean, if you couldn't uh, get that from the title of the episode, but also the um, the music and all everything else, then, you know, hey, The Exorcist. It's still creepy. Um, I watched it last night. Um, originally, I was actually going to do like a live recording, like as I was watching the movie, also be recording the show. But then I realized that the movie's two hours and 12 minutes long. Um, and I don't know how much of that would have been fun commentary, I guess. And then I also would have had to edit it down to like an hour. It just would have been a mess. And I have really still don't have the time to do it because this one's even going up late. So I scrapped that idea. Um, maybe another time, maybe, maybe when, you know, uh, Corona is not a thing. I can do something like that uh, with somebody else and have some actual commentary and be fun. But whatever the case, um, this movie. So, like I said, I watched it last night. I didn't finish it, but I've seen it like a million times, so I know how everything goes. It's still creepy, still holds up really well. Um, there's oh boy, I'll get into it. But there's some parts where I'm like, God damn, oh. like I'd almost forgotten a few parts, and they kind of caught me off guard and really, you know, hit me. Um, but before we get into all that. Let's get on down to Variant Corner. So there are 21 listings on Discogs. Uh, 17 are from 1974 and from different countries. One is from 1975 in Spain. And then in 2017, uh, Waxwork came out with the same sa- soundtrack. They just remastered it. And they had on two... They had it on two different variants. Uh, one is blue with black smoke, which they call the exorcism variant. And the other is clear with black smoke, which is the one I have. That's the Pazuzu variant. Um, I got it because I feel like at the time um, they didn't have the blue one available. But I checked it again the other day when I was uh, writing this. And they actually had both available on the site for $30. Uh, weird thing is through Discogs, you can actually get them for cheaper than going through the waxwork site, which is kind of strange. Uh, typically, you know, reseller resellers are either at retail or above. Like it, it, it's rare to find it where they're actually like eight dollars below. I think the the exorcism variant there was one for twenty two dollars, and then the Pazuzu variant there was one for like twenty six. I think. So I mean, that's you know. Uh, so you want to get a copy? Uh, I, I honestly, I'd rather support Discogs and pay that little extra money or, or not Discogs. Sorry. I'd rather support Waxwork and buy it directly from them. Uh, but if you, uh, want to save a few dollars and you don't care about that, then you can get it from Discogs as well. But this release, uh, includes exclusive liner notes from William Friedkin himself, the director, of course, uh, an old style tip on gatefold jacket with soft touch coating, a 12 by 12 inch booklet and all new creepy ass artwork by Justin Erickson. 
of uh, Phantom City Creative. Now, as you all know, there's a lot of, uh, I guess, controversy and some other things surrounding the uh, filming of the movie. There, you know, was talk of a curse and, you know, there was like so many people that apparently uh, died uh, like from the production, like people that were involved with the production, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, there, there's a lot to be said about that. I, I don't believe in curses or whatever, but it is, it's a fun, uh, it's an interesting uh, read nonetheless, if you want to dive into it. Um, I did want to get into something though, some fun facts about the movie. Uh, this was actually the last time my mom drank alcohol, <laughs> from what I understand. Um, because when her and my dad were dating, this movie came out and they saw it or whatever. And according to my dad and I guess my mom too, the story goes that they went and she was so freaked out by it. She drank like a shit ton of alcohol or something afterwards to try to calm her nerves. And like, it was, a, uh, it's quite the, quite the story. It's pretty funny, but, uh, I couldn't imagine being like a fly on the wall in 1973 or 74 and seeing this movie for the first time and seeing people's reactions to it because you know I've seen the trailers for it from the time and it's like they don't really give away much which is good because you go in and have no idea how crazy the movie's gonna get right um and like I said it's still there's some scenes I'm like god damn you know it's it's crazy so uh there was something too so I I have some fun facts that I I kind of wrote down here like before I get into the movie and kind of go beat for beat like one thing with the score real quick too it's it's excerpts from like musical excerpts but it's not really there wasn't really a, a score like there's not a whole lot of music throughout the movie I noticed right uh, there is the one you heard in the, in the intro the tubular bells that's a that's widely associated with this movie but um other than that I mean there's not a whole lot of musical cues I guess like throughout there's not a whole lot with any score you know but um, so one thing I read, and like I said, I'm gonna go through a little list here that's pretty fun. The um, there was a real life uh, suspected serial killer that makes an appearance in the film, a guy by the name of Paul Bateson. He was a uh, a real life X-ray technician. He played the role of the radiologist's assistant in the scene where Reagan is having the um, the, the, the procedures done or whatever, you know, get all the tests and everything, all the tests done. Uh, he was arrested for homicide in 1979. Uh, after meeting film critic Addison Verrill, uh, having sex with him, and proceeding to bash his skull in with a skillet. Uh, he boasted about killing other men while awaiting trial, claiming they did it for fun and dumped their bodies in the Hudson River. Authorities suspected him of being a serial killer that had been targeting gay men in the years of 1977 and 78 and wrapping their chopped-up remains in plastic bags. Uh, they were known as the bag murders. Um, now, so they had uh, they had a confession, but they couldn't actually link any evidence to his claim. Uh, he was sentenced to 20 years, though, for the murder of Addison Verrill, uh, and he actually got released in 2004, but that's kind of like, you know, that's that's crazy. Um, uh, the, the actress who played Violet in uh, Willy Wonka, Denise Nickerson, almost played Reagan, but they pulled her because her parents found the script too disturbing. Uh, here's one that, I mean, a lot of people know about this, but it's still pretty funny. Not funny, it's just like... It, it's absurd is why it's funny. I guess. <laughs> like I, I laugh at the, the absurdity of this director, but um, he took deliberate measures to abuse the cast for a uh, fear effect. Right. Uh, he went around firing guns without warning 
to keep people on their toes and kind of keep them on edge because you know you want to be scared for the movie and for the for the filming and everything else and he wanted i guess to convey that fear like get a real sense of fear on their face when they're doing stuff with the demon and all that um father o'malley who gives the last rites to father Karras at the end of the movie like whenever he uh after he you know gets killed by the demon spoiler alert um Actually, he didn't get killed by the demon. Father Karras jumped out of the window after he took the demon into himself, and he did that so that he could save Reagan anyway. I'll get to it. Um, I guess he was crying, or he needed to cry for the scene. He, he needed to be emotionally broken up because that's like his best friend that had gotten killed. And he couldn't quite get it, I guess. He wasn't really... Uh, I guess William Freakin just didn't like the, the performance he was getting out of him. So... He he asked him uh, reportedly. He asked him if he trusts him, and then the you know, actor said yes. And freaking slapped the shit out of him, and then filmed the scene right after. So the the take that that was in the movie is right after freaking had slapped the fuck out of him and made him cry again. <laughs> I guess like really, you know, that got the desired result on film. Um, same with uh, Ellen Burstyn who played Chris, which is of course. Um, uh, the mom character, uh, I'm drawing a blank on her name right now, the uh, Reagan, sorry. Uh, she was in a harness and Reagan pushes her down in one scene, right? And she screams really loud after getting slapped or whatever. And that scream is genuine because uh, she was getting yanked around in this harness or whatever. And again, was not getting the result that the director wanted. And I guess, like she said, hey, tell them to take it easy because I can really get hurt. And he said to her, okay, sure. But I think of when I've read other places that he went to the crew and was like, hey, really yank her this time. So she wasn't expecting to get yanked the way she did. Uh, she gets thrown. And I guess that's, the you know, again, the effect that he wanted. He really wanted it to look real. And she hit the ground and really hurt herself. Like she had, uh, I think, back problems from... From that point on, like she never fully healed from that particular accident. And, you know, she um, so again, the screams, the scream on film is actually 100 uh, percent real. Like that is a real reaction or whatever, which is like, you know, pretty shitty. <laughs> but um, yeah, another thing they did, which I, I, I kind of get it, I guess, because they, they didn't have CGI back then, but to make the room look cold and to, to see the actor's uh, breath on film. Uh, they actually had the room. I, I've read as low as like negative 30 to 40 degrees. I've read as low as I read, you know, negative 10 degrees, whatever the case it was below. It was negative something. It was fucking cold. And that was just something they did. You know, it was like, ah, I guess we got to get this room super cold because, um, you know, we got to make it look real. And they had no way to fake it. So they just made it actually that cold. <laughs> Um, and another one here. So when, <laughs> when, uh, the pea soup, the, the, the famous vomiting scene and whatever, uh, Reagan projectile vomits at father cares. And that was the only take they did of it because it was supposed to hit him in the chest. Uh, but the plastic tubing misfired and hit him in the face. So his reaction of like shock and disgust while he's wiping this shit off is genuine because he didn't know it was going <laughs> to hit him in the face um according to uh jason miller who played father cares he was pissed off about that um quick little 
aside just from my own, um, you know, uh, just to give you an idea of how stupid I am. Max von, Max von Sydow in this movie, he was 43 or 44, right? And they put makeup on him to make him look in his 70s. And as a kid, I had only ever seen him in this movie. So I just assumed he was just an old man, right? And years later, I saw him in something else. I don't remember the movie, but it was around like 09, 2010, something like that. And he still looked about the same. And I was like, man, wait a minute. This this guy is like, he's got to be in like over 100. Like, what the fuck? And then I go back and look. And I've seen him in other movies from like the 50s, uh, The Seventh Steel from 1957. Actually, he's in that. And he looks really young. And I'm like, then it started to make sense. I was like, wait a minute. They made him up to be that old? I had no idea. I just didn't have any any clue at all as to how old he actually was. But um, yeah, I always felt stupid about that because <laughs> I go back and look and I'm like, oh, man. So in 1973, in this movie, he looks to be in his mid-70s, and it's like, God damn, by 2010, he would have been like 110 years old. There's no way. And anyway, I'm just you know, dumb. But um, last thing I'll say about just a fun fact and everything before I get into the movie. Uh, <laughs> so the actress that played the demon for the voice or whatever, right, she was uh, not credited origi- originally, I think, uh, and then eventually she, I, I guess they threatened a lawsuit or whatever, and she, you know, she got credited. But uh, the way she achieved the voice, the raspiness and everything else, was going on a diet of whiskey, raw eggs, and uh, chain smoking. And that was it. And that's how she got the voice. <laughs> it's like, that's that's the secret, I guess. Um, it's also, I mean, so it, there was some controversy because... She had gotten nominated for an Oscar, uh, Linda Blair did, and also, uh, on, on that note, this was the first horror movie to get nominated for Best Picture Oscar, so there's that. But um, apparently, you know, there was some controversy because she wasn't doing all the voices, I guess, and during some of the more intense acting scenes, it wasn't Linda Blair's voice, but it was this other woman. So the idea was, you know, she... She got nominated for the Oscar, but I was doing all the voices, you know, so it's kind of a uh, kind of a thing. I think that's actually what led to the lawsuit, maybe, and that got her credited for the voices. But Linda Blair didn't win anyway. So but um, I mean, she does a great fucking job. Like, it's it's incredible. And I'd heard somewhere, too. I wasn't able to verify this, but I'd also read that um, the idea of like. I guess having a young actress saying all of the stuff that Reagan says was probably uh, a contributing factor to having a secondary actor do some of the voices. Um, you know, because the idea of, I guess, uh, so she's 12 in the movie. She's, she's playing 12, but I think Linda Blair was actually like 14 or 15 when the movie came out. So the idea of a, I don't know, of... 14 or 15 year old actress saying things like your mother sucks cocks in hell. Like <laughs> you can't, you can't have that. <laughs> um, but anyway, so let's get into the movie. So, uh, you know, it opens up. So uh, again, so this was the, actually I watched the director's cut. So it's a little different than the actual cut, right? There's a few added scenes. Um, I think the beginning is different where they show the house 
first as opposed to going to where uh, uh, Father Marin, uh, Max Van Zedow's character, where he is in the Middle East somewhere. And um, I was going to start with it. So he is uh, looking through uh, artifacts and other things, and he sees a, an amulet that resembles Pazuzu. And uh, there's like a kind of a creepy, like he's really haunted by it. And uh, it's it's very, um, you know, you kind of get the sense that he's, he, something's not quite right with him, right? Like he has some thing on his mind, like, you know, you can't, uh, can't shake it, right? So cuts to, you know, you introduce to Chris, uh, who is an actress in the movie, <clears throat> and Reagan obviously is her daughter, and, you know, they... They show up and they show the scene where they're kind of showing their house and they're kind of getting to meet the characters and that kind of thing. And at some point, she pulls out a Ouija board, right? And uh, there's a friend who she calls Captain Howdy, fucking creepy. And, you know, they kind of, you know, it it starts to ramp up pretty quickly. Like, um, so there's a few things that happen where it's like, oh, that's creepy. Like, there's like scraping going on. Uh, in the attic, and just little, little things like that, you know, uh, Reagan tells her, her mom, she's like, hey, my bed keeps shaking, I can't sleep, and this and that, and it's like, you see her slowly start to, like, her appearance start to degrade, like, you can tell she's getting more and more, um, like, she looks more tired, I guess, but then eventually gets to the point where she's, like, full-on possessed, right, and, you know, so there's a part where, this part, this is one of the ones that kind of, creep me out they got me like because I, I just i've forgotten about it i guess but um so they're having like a like a dinner party or like a whatever and you know all these all these people are downstairs and reagan comes down and just in the middle of the party she stops uh and tells one of the guests she says uh you're gonna die up there and just pees on the floor and it's like okay that's a and the way she delivers that line too is just like ooh it makes makes fucking skin crawl. But um, you know, so later you know again the the bed's shaking real bad and like now the mom sees it this time and it's like holy shit, you know. Um, so they 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 pull her out or whatever and uh, they go get her tested and try to find out what's going on. Um, so. Later, now, uh, Chris goes out or whatever, and this guy, Burke Dennings, he's a director in the movie, right? Uh, he goes to sit with her. She's heavily sedated, or, you know, so they think. And, um, you know, Chris comes back, and all of a sudden, like, there's news that Burke fell out of a window and died. Uh, and given his history of heavy drinking, he kind of, they think, like, oh, shit, he must have just got drunk and fell out of a window. Well, that is sort of, kind of, like, I guess the prevailing theory until you, know, you get more information and get word that um, Burke's head was turned completely around. That seemed to happen before he fell down the steps. So it's like, ooh, what happened there, right? Um, and actually, so the first head spinning scene, which that ugh, that part's fucking, ugh, but. Reagan's head turns around 180 degrees and is facing her mom. And in Burke's voice, he, you know, she says, do you know what she did? Your cunting daughter. And it's like, 
that's in reference to her turning his head around 180 degrees. I didn't know that until I read something about it. And I, th- I guess it more explicitly states that in the book, but um, that's pretty cool detail. Um, so, you know, so after all this, you know, they, I, I think they, they go through a battery of tests and nothing comes back and everything else. And, oh boy. So then they, they say, hey, um, let's get an exorcist, right? Why not? The doctors are like, sure. I mean, what could it hurt, you know? Uh, so they, they uh, that seems like it's a dumb thing, right? So they do that, and uh, they meet up and everything, and Father Karras gets to meet with Reagan finally, and she's speaking backwards and in different voices, and uh, they're showing scars start to show up on her stomach that uh, say, help me. Um, oh, I, I missed the part. There actually is... so. Before this, there's a scene where her mom gets thrown and the back gets hurt and all that. That's like when her bed's shaking real bad. But I believe the line is, Jesus, fuck me. And she's like screaming that or whatever and sort of like stabbing herself with a crucifix, you know, in the nether regions. Fucking just gross. And then I, I now this part I've forgotten about, but then she grabs her, her mom's face and she's just lick it. <laughs> puts her face down there it's like holy fucking shit and then then she then she throws her off the bed and that's when the, the back scene and then the hurting happens but it's like i had forgotten about that i knew about the crucifixion scene i knew about the crucifix scene and all that but then for whatever reason i've forgotten about the part where she sticks her mom's face down there it's like good god almighty so there's that um before this too before i get any further there's also i guess it's not in the original cut but in the director's cut, there is the restored and remastered uh, deleted scene, the infamous spider walk. Again, forgot it was coming up. And all of a fucking sudden, she comes walking down the stairs backwards like a fucking spider. Like she has her, uh, like doing like a back bend, I guess, but walking down the stairs. And then comes up to the camera and like screams and there's like blood coming out of her mouth. It's, it's not great. Um, it is not good at all. I will say that, but that caught me off guard last night too. And I was like, man, this is fucking stupid. Why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> but, um, you know, so as, as it, as it gets further into the exorcism, of course it gets worse and worse. Uh, like I said earlier, the whole, uh, your mother sucks cocks in hell, that whole thing that was in reference to father Karras's mom who dies earlier in the movie. Um, at one point, you know, she's taunting him and it's like, it's like, your mother's in here with us, priest. And like, just being real shitty to him. <laughs> like, it's, oh man, like it's, it's, it, uh, it's one of those things where it's like, it's creepy and it's kind of been parodied so much that you kind of see the parodies and it gets to a point where it's almost like you can kind of watch it sometimes and laugh and think of something else that's funny. But then other times, I'm in a certain mood and I see that stuff and I'm like, God damn, that's fucking creepy. Like it's still, it, it, you know, it depends on, it depends on what mood I'm in, but it can really creep me out still. Um, so I think at some point too, you know, they start to, uh, she starts to float and levitate off the bed. That's another big scene. Like, there's the, the vomit scene, right? The, the head spinning completely around scene, uh, Father Marin eventually he dies of a heart attack, which is like fuck. Uh, that's that's how this all ends, right? Father Marin dies of a heart attack, 
and Karis tackles her and is like, you know, screaming at her to, to to get out, you know, get the spirit out or whatever. And uh, the director actually was disappointed that people didn't see this or didn't take this away from the scene. But when the demon goes into Father Karis, he's still himself enough to know to jump out of the window and kill himself to to, to stop it all. Right. The demon doesn't throw him out. He makes that conscious decision to do that. To save everybody, you know. Um, so yeah, that's it. And then uh, a few days later, you know, Reagan's back to her normal self. They show she has no apparent recollection of her possession, and um, that's just kind of that's kind of it, you know. And you know, it seems pretty simple as a possession movie. Um, it is based on a on a it's based from a book, but then also there was a. Uh, I always hear their story, I think, from like 1949 of a of a young boy who was possessed, and that's kind of where the story came from. But um, as far as I know, as far as I could find, this is the the first, I think, the first uh, possession movie. Uh, if not, if it's not the first, and correct me if I'm wrong, please on Twitter, uh, Vinyl Podcast Five. If if it, if it's not the first, please tell me what the first is. But if nothing else, it's definitely the first of this caliber to get this sort of response to be this popular um inflated for in, in uh, adjusted for inflation this movie is still the highest grossing r-rated horror film of all time i think it uh chapter one actually is holds the record now but again adjusted for inflation this movie would still be number one uh and like i've always said i keep saying it holds up super well uh it's on stars i believe the the the, uh, theatrical cut but you can get the director's cut on prime you know for two or three dollars uh i have the dvd from like years ago and that's what i watched last night and it's just you know as someone who is not a believer of a you know god or anything else or demons and all that kind of shit there's still something about this movie that kind of plays on like it was a lot scarier to me when i did believe in that stuff because there was in the back of my mind, there was always this idea that, holy shit, that could happen to somebody I know or to me. Ooh. Yeah. Obviously, I've moved past that, but it doesn't shake the fact that it's still scary and the performances, you know, really shine through. There's other things like the, the, the flashing of the, of the Pazuzu face or like the white face. Um, that happens a couple times throughout the movie. And again, if you're not expecting it and you just see it flash, it's like a subliminal thing where you, you saw it, but did you see it? Like, I don't know. And then does it again. And it's like, Oh fuck, I definitely saw that. And it's just, yeah, it's creepy. Fun fact about that. That's actually, uh, that face, uh, was like a, a rejected makeup test for the possessed Reagan. And they just flipped it in like that, you know? So, if you think of it in that context, it's not really that scary because it's kind of silly. Like, I couldn't imagine if that was how she looked when she was possessed. Like, that would have been almost comical. But uh, in used in this way, it is a lot more effective, I believe. But, um, I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't really know what else to say about this movie. Um, I mean, it's, it's a classic for a reason. And if you somehow have not seen it yet, uh, by all means, please do. Uh, hell, watch it on Halloween. Halloween's coming up, right? Uh, this Saturday. So, watch it and be sufficiently creeped out. Maybe have a drink or two, you know? Um, it's still just 
it's 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 one of my favorite horror movies. I don't watch it as often as I as I would like because again, there are times that I just cannot handle watching it. <laughs> it's just it's just not not in the mood for it. But um like I said, so uh watch it, you know, listen to the score, uh have a good time, right? Uh for me, that's it for me this week. Um really sucks that the spectacular is is going away for another year, but It'll be back next year, and hopefully, will not be just you know ravaged by hurricanes right before, so I can really pour a lot of uh, time and effort into it and do it better than I did this year. Uh, even though, again, the response has been great, uh, there were some things I would have, I would have liked to have done differently or better, and just didn't have the time to do it. But uh, I do appreciate you all sticking with me and sticking with it. Uh, little preview for next week: I'm going back on my regular scheduled um things right and i will be covering november is gonna be a big month it's gonna be huge uh for me at least for the uh i guess for the albums i'm doing like for me they are some of my favorites uh so week one next week will be coheed and cambria's in keeping secrets of silent earth three which is my favorite album by them so that's gonna be a Big, big one. And then the few weeks following that, uh, from now to the end of the year, actually, it's nothing but bangers. So, you know, stay tuned. Stay uh, stay up with what, what I'm doing. You know, subscribe. Uh, you know, so you can stay in the loop. And also, the mini episodes, it's a little update on that. Uh, I, was, I was planning on coming back for November with that, but I really don't see that happening yet. Uh, I do want to keep doing them because I did like doing the mini show, but... Um, it's a lot of time that I, you know, that I just don't have right now, honestly. But um, as soon as I'm able to do it again, I will do it again, I promise. So with all of that being said, thank you all. This has been The Vinyl Countdown. And I'm Jeremy Levine. As always, I hope to be in your ears next week, everybody. Thank you. Take care. <laughs>